Hello, everyone, and welcome to Keith Crosby Out of My Mind. This is podcast 016, podcast 16, where we have a biblical conversation about the crazy world in which we live. Once again, we're starting a new season, season three, The Christian Christ and the Culture. So join us over the next 20 minutes or so as we provide you a bird's eye view perspective of some issue confronting the culture or the church or you. And at the end of the podcast, we'll give you some additional resources just in case you might want to dig a little bit deeper. In the meantime, let's get started. This is episode 16. It's entitled Illegal Aliens. Wow. Illegal Aliens. That's that's quite the title. Uh, I'm sure we're going to get some uh, emails on that one. Yeah, I understand we might, Mark, if they don't listen to the podcast. But there's a method to my madness, and I'm not trying to be cute so much as accurate. Every time a Christian looks in the mirror, he or she should see an illegal alien. Let me explain this a little bit more fully. You know, I've been reading a lot of books lately about the culture and about the past and about the present. Books like Live Not by Lies or The Benedict Option by Rod Dreher. We've read 1984 by George Orwell. We've talked a little bit about this. We've talked about censorship in social media. It reminds me of the old classic movie and book, Fahrenheit 451, where everything gets censored. Although in that book and in that movie, in a low-tech way, they burn the books. And I've shared with you know some podcasts like the Colette podcast, where they talk about issues confronting people in the academic world and in other areas of the culture. And what I've been, what I want to do today a little bit is to try to synthesize this uh, or summarize this. Because as crazy as 2020 is, I think 2021 could be worse. And why do I say that? Well, let me give you some examples. Do you remember our podcast, You're Being Groomed? I think it was podcast eight or nine. But what we've seen is, is that we are being groomed. And every week we're reminded of that in some way. Haverford College in Pennsylvania, it's a college that really has a high tolerance for woke students who are on strike, who are, get this, selling indulgences to students who didn't need financial aid, 20 bucks to go to class. Or if you went to a private school in high school, it's $10 to get into class. If you're white, it's 40. We've seen the authorities in places like California put up with rioters, Antifa fascists and Black Lives Matter activists during the COVID-19 lockdowns. And we've seen people of faith denied access to worship. We've been asked to wear masks even outdoors in some parts of California and threatened with fines. We are living in a time where Christians are alien to the culture and their behavior and thought processes are being criminalized. It started in the corporate world. Think about being a Google employee right now. If you're not woke enough, you might not get promoted. You might not even get a job. You, you can find yourself ostracized and alienated out of the mainstream in the educational complex. We are becoming illegal aliens, and that's why I use that term. This has nothing to do with immigration status, but worldview. Okay, okay. So where do you get the illegal part from? I see the alienation part. Obviously, we're being um, alienated, I think, culturally as Christians. Uh, and I'm sure you're pointing to the fact that the Bible teaches that we are aliens and strangers uh, that are just passing through. But what about the illegal part? Well, it's like this. Today, uh, you know, Christians, Bible-believing Christians, reject the idea of gender fluidity 
and all the transgender mythologies which we'll be dealing with in a coming podcast. But the Supreme Court, with you know Justice Roberts, even recently uh, ruled in favor of these kinds of mindsets in the employment arena and in other arenas. The Supreme Court legitimized gay marriage, and what you're seeing is the Christian worldview is gradually becoming criminalized. Even during Barack Obama's administration, his administration tried to induce the Supreme Court to compel the Little Sisters of the Poor to provide contraceptive insurance for contraceptive prescriptions. And while I don't agree with everything that the Catholic Church teaches, I do believe that life is precious. I do believe the Bible teaches freedom of conscience. And forcing employers and charities and nonprofits and churches to accommodate the culture, whether it's gay marriage or transgender rights or abortion or anything else like that, is uh, criminalizing Christian thought. The presumptive president-elect, Joe Biden, insists that churches should not be allowed to hold a Christian worldview on transgenderism. He calls it discrimination, and he wants to make it illegal. So we are becoming illegal aliens. And as you said a moment ago, that's what the Bible teaches. And so the question becomes, and that's what we'll talk about a little bit today, is how then shall we live in this increasingly hostile culture? Okay, so then what now? Uh, what next? Do we just go storm city halls? Do we, do we need a march in protests? Uh, how, as Christians, should we respond? Well, think of the Ill- illegal alien metaphor. Typically, illegal aliens are hesitant to do that kind of thing because they don't want to be uncovered, they don't want to be deported, they don't want to be imprisoned. And so in today's podcast, I'm going to focus first on what not to do and then what to do. So today's podcast will be a little bit different. And today, Christians are doing many of the things that they should not be doing. As I survey the Christian landscape, I'm astounded, frankly, by the behavior of Christians in the public square, sometimes and mostly on social media. Uh, I had a Christian friend tell me about his conduct in restaurants or when he would be out in public, he would describe himself as a white supremacist or as a bigot or as a homophobe, explaining that's because I'm a Christian. Now, he was being sarcastic, And he was trying to allude to the fact that that's the way the culture mischaracterizes Christians, but by spouting off like that in public or on social media, he may have his facts sort of right, but his methodology is all wrong. And so he is being labeled a homophobe and a racist because of the way that he misstated his Christian beliefs in a soundbite. And and so by making these kinds of statements without explanation, without a real godly explanation, we play into the hands of the culture and into the hands of a stereotype. Understand that when you get into a spitting contest with someone online about elections, conspiracies, worldview, politics, you're really wasting your time and your witness. And perhaps more Christians should be spending more time studying their Bibles than spewing epitaphs and living up to, rather than down to, is a better word, the caricature that the culture forces on us. The Bible tells us when you engage a fool who has said in his heart there is no God, you can end up acting like him. And the Bible, think about this, in the book of Proverbs, it warns us to be careful about engaging a fool or a scoffer. In Proverbs 9, 7, and 8, it says this, Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. And this seems to be lost on Christians today. And so we stick out our chins and we stick out our chests and we, at least professing Christians, seem more interested in calling attention to themselves or their political beliefs than doing kingdom work. 
And to some degree, I understand that because kingdom work is hard work. Talking at people or about people, that's easy and foolish. Okay, so what are you proposing in this? What, what should we be doing then? Well, let's start with 1 Peter. 1 Peter, I'm, re- I'm reminded, is about Christians living in a hostile culture and suffering in a Christ-hostile word. And two passages, and I'm not going to take them in order that come to mind, are 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12, and then later on 1 Peter, I think, 1, 17. And 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12 says this, I urge you as aliens and strangers, as foreigners to this planet, as citizens of heaven, we are not to gratify the desires of the world, the lust of the flesh. We are in the world, but not of the world. We must think and live and speak differently. Godless behavior will tug and pull at your soul, but you've got to live differently to stand out, not to fit in. I mean, look at verse 12. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. Why is that? Because it's to exemplify Christ so that at the end of the age, that's that day of visitation, when they stand before God and are judged for their sins for rejecting the gospel, they can't point to us as a stumbling block or as provocateurs. They have to affirm that we lived for Christ in their very presence. Our excellent behavior must pour coals on their head, so to speak. Peter writes that they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Because of your good conduct, because of your Christ-like example, these unbelievers who have rejected the gospel on judgment day will say, guilty is charged, master. Your children pointed out to us by word and by deed a better way a better path, the hard path that led to eternal life, and we are without excuse. That's what's going on there. Because we lived as aliens and strangers, we kept our behavior excellent among the Gentiles. We didn't spout off or spew off carelessly and play into the hands of the culture and into the hands of every caricature and mischaracterization it slings at us. Oh man, sounds like you're you're getting ready to preach, Keith. Oh, maybe I am. Uh, uh, the point is is that we're not to be of this world even though we are in this world. By word and by deed, by witness and testimony, we are to abstain not to take part in fleshly sinful behaviors or given to such desires. Our behavior, our content, our style must be above reproach. And so we have to be careful when, where, and how we engage and in what manner. So just to be clear, because this could sound a little bit confusing, it might almost sound like you're suggesting that we just roll over and kind of play dead and hope to weather the storm while we're on this earth. Uh, that's not what you're suggesting, though. That's right, Mark. I'm, I'm suggesting that you actively engage in a godly, not a worldly way. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God and his glory. I taught this last week in the Sunday service. We do what we do for the glory of God, the good of others, and our own growth. And so we have to conduct ourselves, as it says in 1 Peter 1.17, in fear during our time here on earth. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean we, we go hide in a corner somewhere, but it basically says that we have an awesome respect for God and the incredible responsibility he has entrusted to our care. And we don't want to do anything to disgrace him or to let those down that he's entrusted to our care. We don't want to mishandle his message before a people who so desperately need it. Therefore, we have to have this awareness, this fear, this acute awareness that we are to handle our mission, our time on earth as aliens and strangers with care. God has raised us up for such a time as this, and we need to govern ourselves accordingly, which gets, gets me back to my buddy, 
Sometimes if you're having coffee with him, I'm talking about the pre-COVID days, if you're at a Starbucks, he'd say something out loud like, yeah, I'm a racist Christian homophobe because I believe what the Bible says. And again, nobody understood what he was talking about. He thought he was making a point, but instead he was missing a point, and no one in earshot really understood the sound bites he thought he was creating. And so he affirmed the cultural caricature of a Christian, someone loud, obnoxious, racist, bigot, a homophobe. And that's where the illegal alien thing comes in. Because if you're an illegal alien, if you're in a country where you're there in violation of the law, whether you snuck into Canada or the United States, Canada is particularly rough. You don't want to get deported. You don't want to do anything to draw unnecessary and unneeded attention to yourself. An illegal alien understands that they are at a disadvantage before the law. And so generally speaking, they conduct themselves with care. Most of their relationships are within their own communities. And, and that's not a bad thing in a world like ours. But that said, we still, as illegal aliens do, form relationships outside of our community. But we do so carefully. We do so selectively. We do so with intentionality. We are mindful with a heightened sense of awareness. You see, Mark, my illegal alien metaphor is for the listeners today who don't have any sense of history. A number of my friends grew up under communism in Eastern Europe and in China and other places like that. And Christians in totalitarian societies like these are outcasts. They are illegal aliens within their own country, which is the metaphor I'm trying to use here. Christians today in America really don't know what it's like to live under those kinds of conditions, but they are aware of the immigration crisis and the immigration controversy, and so the term illegal alien is more relevant. And so my friends were like illegal aliens in their own countries, and Christians in this world are like illegal aliens, and increasingly so with each passing day. So we need to conduct ourselves with fear, with great care, during the time of our stay on earth. We need to abstain from foolish activities. We need to keep our, our behavior excellent among the Gentiles. We need to live for Christ and not for a political party, not for a social cause, not for some temporal thing that has no eternal consequence. All right, so how do we do this? Well, well it's like this, Mark. We deliberately, of course, like I said, conduct ourselves with excellence. We, we live self-consciously. We live God-consciously. We understand that we live in a surveillance culture. And I don't mean because of the internet or because of the CIA or the NSA and all these things. I'm talking about the fact that people have always looked at Christians to see if they took their faith seriously from ancient Rome until today. And so we need to live lives that are attractive, not repulsive, that are pleasant, not unpleasant. We need to be able to articulate our faith to give an answer for the hope that lies within us with meekness, gentleness, and respect. We need to strive and to struggle to consistently manifest the fruits of the Spirit. That is the key, to cultivate behaviors consistent with the fruits of the Holy Spirit who indwells us. You know, love, joy, gladness, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. I don't want to, go, I'm not, don't want to explain each one of these, but I'll tell you this. We need to love our neighbor and our enemy. We need to live with gladness on our faces because we are connected to God and eternity will be spent with him in our heavenly home. We need to be peaceful, not combative. We need to be patient when persecuted. And you don't get this from the world. We need to be kind to people, even when they're unkind to us. We need to be faithful, reliable people that can be trusted. And we need to be gentle and meek. We need to exhibit self-control. I'm reminded of Jesus when he was tried by Pilate. It talks about this in 1 Peter 2. 
that when he was persecuted, he uttered no threats. And when he was reviled, he did not revile in return, but he kept entrusting himself to the one who judges righteously. We don't need to let any unwholesome word proceed from our mouth, but only a word that is grace-giving, grace-filled, according to the need of the moment. The Romans saw this as they executed Christians in the Colosseum. The, the Chinese saw it during the Cultural Revolution, the Great Leap Forward. During the Red Terror, the, the Russians saw this. Okay, now you're preaching. Yeah, I, I guess I am. I guess what I'm trying to say is rather than fight the culture war, which is long lost and long over, we need to fight for souls instead. We need to get off and out of these social media spats, maybe take a break from social media for a month or two or three. And we need to remember that whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. Instead, we need to look for people, to listen for people who are looking for God and be ready to answer their tough questions, to invest time with them. I'm not talking about showering people with gospel tracts, but being on the lookout for people who seem to be searching that we can invest in, to live attractively rather than repulsively. And when people truly see something in you, something of Christ in you, they may ask you about it as you live out your faith in a compelling way, and you're going to have an answer to give them. If you understand the content of your faith, then you should model it. You should exemplify it. And that's where I think we fall short today. What does that take? We have to restructure our life and our workspace and our personal space to radiate Christ. And this goes beyond a fish on your bumper. You have to make your home into a place of peace and learning and evangelism. Practice hospitality. Put aside your smartphones. Make time for your own people and the people who visit you. And, and, and draw your children and your spouse and your other family members into this to rethink, to reevaluate, to retool your life, to redeem the time because the days we live in, we're living in are evil. 2021 is going to be a year of differences. Get ready. I think 2020 was our wake-up call, and we need to be ready, ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within us, which brings us to the big announcement. I know that uh, we're talking about the culture and things that are wrong and things that we need to do, but we don't spend as much time talking about uh, the theology of it all. And so I think in 2021, we're going to open up an extra episode during the week, either on a Monday or a Friday, and take a, th a theological concept and talk about it for 15 minutes so that you can understand it and your faith better. Well, we're out of time, and I feel like we we're just getting started. Thanks for listening. That's it for today. If you'd like further resources, you can visit us online. I'll have some good resources there at www.gracetoliveradio.org. Click the podcast resource button there. If you'd like to ask me a question, I'm back from vacation. Shoot me an email at keith at hillside.org, and I'll try to answer you within 24 hours. If you want to learn more about Hillside Church, go to our website, www.hillside.org forward slash services, and you can watch our worship services online. We'll be meeting indoors and outdoors uh, in the coming week. Before you go, if you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or whatever it is, whatever platform, be sure and like us. Give us the highest rating you can. Tell your friends about us. Well, as you, as you know, we release this podcast every Wednesday, so we hope you'll join us next time. This is Keith Crosby with Mark Stickler, Out of My Mind. God bless you and keep you.